once a jolly swagman camped by a billabong Under the shade of a coolabar tree He sang and he watched and waited till his billy ball You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Waltzing Matilda, Matilda, my darling You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me He sang and he watched and waited till his billy ball You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Walt down came a jumper to drink at the billabong Up jumped the swagman and grabbed him with glee He laughed as he stowed that jumbuck in his tucker bag You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Waltzing Matilda, Matilda, my darling You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me He laughed as he stowed that jumbuck in his tucker bag You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Well, up rode the squatter, mounted on his thoroughbred up rode the troopers, one, two, three Where's that jolly jumper you've got in your tucker bag? You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Waltzing Matilda, Matilda, my darling You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Where's that jolly jumper you've got in your tucker bag? You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me well, up jumped the swagman and jumped into the billabong. You'll never take me alive, said he. His ghost may be heard as you pass by the billabong. You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me. Waltzing Matilda, Matilda, my darling. You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me. His ghost may be heard as you pass by the billabong. You'll come a-waltzing Matilda with me Welcome to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard, and I've got the great honour today to welcome Keith Potker of The Seekers, a founding member, vocalist and guitarist. We've just heard waltzing Matilda way back from 1963. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, Keith. It's uh, great to uh, hear you. Well, it's a pleasure, Jason, and uh, hello to your listeners as well. People may not know this, the roots of The Seekers actually lay in a, an all-male all vocal group, and that was the early sound for the band. Yes, we, uh, uh, when I say we, that's Apple Guy, Bruce Woodley and I started The Seekers along with our fellow singer Ken Ray, and that was in early 1962. And then Ken decided to uh, get married and leave the group. And then we went looking for uh, a replacement. And uh, that's when Judith Durham stepped into the picture. And what were you singing in those early days? I guess was waltzing Matilda representative of what you were singing? Yes, it was. And that's actually uh, called 
the Queensland version of Walsing Matilda. It's not the uh, the melody that most people associate with that song, but uh, we learned that as a, an early folk song because that was our kind of repertoire, I suppose. We uh, we did a lot of uh, Australian uh, folk songs, and uh, that was that was probably the most popular of them. A lot is is known about the the English music scene of the early sixties, but what was the music scene in pre Beatle times? Uh, the Great American Songbook, I suppose, and songs like uh, Four Lads type covers and um, the crew cuts, you know, those sorts of groups. But then once the folk music scene started uh, with people like Joan Baez and uh, and then slightly later Bob Dylan, and but but uh, going right back to uh, Woody Guthrie and and particularly Pete Seeger and the Weavers, you know, they were a huge influence on us. So that was the scene. And at times you took lead vocals, like on a, Got a Travel On then? Well, yes. Generally, when um, when Judith joined the group, she, of course, took the lead vocals. And also uh, most of the time when, uh, when the, the song required a, a baritone voice, uh, it was Bruce Woodley who took the lead vocals. But um, occasionally uh, I stepped up to the microphone and Got a Travel On was, was one of them. You often had a role in terms of arranging the vocals, with the seekers, is that true? Yes, I was the um, uh, I was the arranger for the the vocal harmonies and uh, occasionally the instrumental parts as well. We we tended to work closely together, so uh, on uh, songs like uh, gospel songs and, and those sorts of things, you know, the harmonies were fairly natural. But on slightly more complex songs, I used to write down the arrangements and and then provide the harmonies to the rest of the group. So what was it led you to uh, taking the boat over to England? Because it was a long journey. Yes, it was um, It was a long journey, all right, yeah. But it was a very enjoyable one, I have to say, Jason, because uh, we had actually been uh, commissioned by the, the shipping company, SIPMA, uh, to provide entertainment on board their ships prior to going to England. And then the, the icing on the cake, if you like, was when they said to us, how about going on, on the ship and entertaining for five weeks? And um, you go to England and you stay there and, and then uh, we'll come back and pick you up in 10 weeks. So that was the, uh, that was the reason. And we, we embraced that because we had day jobs, but they weren't uh, the sort of day jobs that, uh, that we thought were for a lifetime. So um, we said, yes, let's, uh, let's do it. And uh, so we stayed on board the ship after we'd finished the Pacific cruise and went to England. And then um, luckily for us, the, the organisation, uh, the great organisation in, in London who had been um, uh, getting our, uh, organising our bookings, they had um, they'd already started uh, getting some jobs for us. So it was great. It was, it was really uh, an amazing stroke of luck. And the rest is what has happened. soon begin and I'll be on my way I'll be on my way yes I'm gone alone someday 
Chilly winds will soon begin and I'll be on my way And I feel like I've got to travel on I done laid around and played around this old town too long Summer's almost gone, yes winter's coming on I done laid around and played around this old town too long And I feel like I've got to travel on I want to see my honey, I want to see her bad Want to see her bad, want to see her bad Well I want to see my honey, I want to see her bad She's the best gal this poor boy ever had There's a lonesome freight at 608 Coming through the town Coming through the town Yes, I'll be homeward bound There's a lonesome freight at 608 Coming through the town And I feel like I gotta travel along I done laid around and played around This old town too long Summer's almost gone Yes, winter's coming on I done laid around and played around This old town too long And I feel like I've gotta travel along I'll never find another you. That was the first single here in England. How how did you get signed so quickly? Uh, well, it was uh, a funny set of circumstances. We we got signed uh, initially to the World Record Club, and we actually recorded two albums for the World Record Club in June, in mid nineteen sixty four. And we had a connection there. And that uh, that that proved to be very fruitful because we because we managed to record those two albums, and then the agent at the, the great organisation, uh, Eddie Jarrett, yeah. uh, he took a particular interest in us, and he eventually became our manager. Shortly thereafter, he knew that we we needed a single to actually make any impact in England, and so he went looking for a songwriter. And came across, uh, and he, he thought about about Tom Springfield because, of course, Tom Springfield had written some great hits for the Springfields, yeah. who had broken up uh, the year previously. And through Eddie's uh, good work, and also the fact that um, the Seekers were uh, booked in to do a um, a Sunday concert at the uh, uh, at the Blackpool Opera House, and who should be starring on the bill but Dusty Springfield. So we actually made contact with uh, with Dusty as well, and, and eventually she became a very good friend. But uh, Tom Springfield had a melody, and he thought that it would fit the group, and he went away and, and wrote the lyric. So that was how the whole thing happened, and it was in October of 1964 that the group went into the studio and um, and recorded I'll Never Find Another You. It's got such an evocative opening on guitar. Um, was that Tom's idea or, or was that you? That was my arrangement. And I had uh, not long before that 
acquired a 12-string guitar. And I, I, I had long wanted a 12-string guitar because I was so impressed with uh, the likes of Pete Seeger, as I was mentioning earlier on. And uh, it, it just seemed that that was, the, that that was the arrangement. You know, I came up with the riff and, and that created the sort of backbone to the song. But, of course, it's, uh, it's Judith's wonderful uh, vocals and the, the harmonies that, that really created the impact of the song. But, but certainly that, um, that opening riff is, was uh, very identifiable. And it's amazing that you were the, the first Australian group to hit number one over here in the UK that must have been some feeling. Oh yes, we we had um, no idea that uh, our first single was going to be our, also our first number one and also our first million seller. It was it was really quite dramatic the the change from being a, a coffee lounge group in um, in Australia to uh, to being top of the charts in the UK. It was quite incredible, and, and we were overjoyed, of course, and and we all have our our own. Uh, memories of that delightful time, but uh, but mine are very very strong indeed, and uh, I, I was thrilled to bits to uh, to be in that position where where uh, where we hit, hit hit the top of the charts.
1965 was kind of a seeker's mania. Following up, I'll never find another you, another number one with a world of our own, which ended the Beatles charts up a ticket to ride. It's uh, such a, an incredible time. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we, we were wondering whether we had released A World of Our Own a little bit too soon after um, the success of I'll Never Find Another You, but uh, but the public proved us wrong and, and we were absolutely thrilled that uh, they'd taken us to our, their heart. And indeed, um, uh, Jason, uh, both those singles were hits in America as well and I'll Never Find Another You was uh, number three in, yeah. in America and uh, World of Our Own got into the top 20 I think anyway um, uh, that was that was something the American scene was something that, that we were really not that aware of but um, getting back to England of course England was uh, then became our home base and uh, even though we we came back to Australia and did some um, uh, did some tours of uh, England uh, London was definitely our home base and a lot is made of the Beatles debut on Ed Sullivan but you and the group played the Ed Sullivan show that must have been so exciting going live into the whole of America. Yes, it was. It was fantastic, and it really was live. I mean, boy, uh, suddenly um, <laughs> being presented with that situation where where you walk on stage and with your acoustic guitars and and there were no backing tracks or no, there was no miming at that stage in America. That's for sure. And so, very exciting indeed. And and um, Ed Sullivan was quite a character. Another great moment was the Seekers playing the Enemy Paul Winners concert with the Beatles, the Stones, and and so many great groups. Any memories of? Of that show? Oh, yes, very strong memories, in fact, uh, of that, because again, we were suddenly propelled into, uh, uh, into the spotlight because of the success of those. Uh, of uh, those two records. Well, the first, uh, it was, um, I'll never find another you, of course, that put us into that position of being voted the top best new group. And to be on that stage, well, again, with people like Dusty Springfield and and, uh, and uh, lots of lots of others who were sharing the stage, we didn't have a lot of contact with the Beatles and Stones uh, on that occasion because they were sort of limousined in and limousined out. You know, it was, uh, it was one of those things where they, they, they were already at lofty heights but for us, uh, it was just fantastic. And we've got some video of that uh, show and, um, and we were using it in our, uh, in our concert uh, tours of the UK uh, in uh, 2014.
And one of the great Seeker songs, very, very evocative and emotive, is The Carnival Is Over. Do you remember when Tom presented that song to you? Because I understand it was based originally on a, a Russian folk song. Yes, yes, I remember it very well. We were doing a, um, a summer season in uh, in Bournemouth and uh, we'd already had those two hits that we've just talked about. And the record company wanted us to uh, to try and find a, a more uh, an up tempo song to go into the Christmas period, but Tom had had played us the Carnival's over, and we loved it from the first time we heard it. He just sat there with his with his acoustic little nylon string guitar and sang the song to us, and uh, it was just so moving. And uh, and we all fell in love with it, and so we recorded it, and and our decision to release it, uh, we we prevailed upon the the record company, and uh, and of course then it, then it became our biggest uh, no one of our biggest uh, sellers actually. Uh, Carnival's over was was selling something like ninety thousand copies singles wow. uh, in the week uh, every day of the week leading leading up to the the it being number one. So and it's still in the in the UK's top. 30 uh, all-time best-selling singles. Yeah, it sold over a million over here, which is just incredible. Yeah, Tom had long been um, uh, in love with the, the Russian folk song, which is originally called uh, Stenka Razin. And the lyric of that folk song has, has nothing to do with the carnival's over, but uh, but Tom very cleverly wrote that very, very uh, evocative, as you say, lyric for uh, for that song. And, it, and it's... Um, it's revered by by people, and and we've had a, uh, it's had a few covers of it as well. In fact, Boney M covered it in in their inimitable oh. style. So if you can imagine that. <laughs> and in terms of um, you and the group, that's become the the climax of, of your live shows as well, and it, a great way to end the show. Yeah, oh, yes, yes, we couldn't go past that one as a as a show closer. It's a it's a it's a given almost. Till I die.
Morningtown Ride is a, an interesting track in that the hit version was actually a re-recording of a, a song that you'd recorded a, a few years earlier. Well, what, what happened was um, I had found the song on a, um, an album by the Limelighters, an American folk group. And th- this was before the group left to go to England. And I right. loved the song, but I changed the arrangement a bit to suit the group. And so we knew the song before we went to England. So when we arrived in uh, 1964, as I mentioned, uh, we did two albums for the World Record Club. And the second album we recorded for them included um, an orchestra. And one of the songs that uh, that we ended up choosing for that uh, album with the orchestra was Morningtown Ride. So, in fact, it was only a few months earlier that we'd um, recorded the uh, the song. And it then uh, became our uh, single in the UK in 1966, but that's that's the background to that particular song. So uh, the arrangement that we um, that we did for for the World Record Club was was um, pretty much exactly the same as the one that EMI ah. released in uh, in 1966, but we re-recorded it for EMI. The Seekers uh, were one of the few groups that seemed to transcend the generations. That you were loved by everyone, it seemed. Well, we certainly had a very broad um, demographic, to use that overused word. They are still with us. It's just gorgeous, actually, to to uh, to know that um, that, that our fans have, um, from very young to some not quite so young, have uh, have followed us through the decades. It, it really has been wonderful, Jason. Engine 
the biggest hits of the Seekers certainly over in the United States is Georgie Girl which was the title song of the film Georgie Girl how did that song uh, come about well yes we uh, yeah how Georgie Girl came about was because the producer of the, of the film Otto Pleskis really loved the Seekers and he approached our manager Eddie Jarrett and he said how about the group uh, singing the title song well, as it turned out, the, the title song wasn't really um, suitable for the Seekers. So uh, Eddie suggested, why don't we ask Tom Springfield to come up with a song? And so Tom the uh, and, and Jim Dale, they collaborated and they wrote the song Georgie Girl. Uh, but Tom didn't write any of the other incidental music uh, that was in the film that was written by another composer. Anyway, um, we then went into the studio and, and recorded uh, several versions of Georgie Girl. One was the version for the opening titles, another was for the closing titles. And then um, pretty much at the same recording session, we recorded uh, a version for a single release. And that was, that was the one that became uh, popular and became a number one in America. And we haven't discussed um, the, the times where in that period where you went back to Australia. In 1967, you set attendance records playing to 200,000 people. Oh, it was it was an amazing day. Uh, it was a beautiful sunny day in Melbourne. And uh, to walk out on stage and, and see that shimmering crowd of people was just awesome. I can I can really clearly remember that that experience and uh, and we've <laughs> we've got some video to prove it as well. So it was really lovely that uh, that that has been captured and uh, we're we're very very proud of that. We were on stage with uh, with other acts as well, of course. And there was an orchestra and a choir and, mm. and it was a huge day in in Melbourne to uh, uh, to celebrate one of our festivals in in uh, Australia. It was just a fantastic experience. It's amazing that that's all captured on film as well. Yeah, yeah very colourful it is and, uh, and something that we're very proud of. Hey there, Georgie girl, swinging down the street so fancy free. Nobody you meet could ever see the loneliness there. Just don't try, or is it the clothes you wear? 
geology deep inside. Bring out all the love you hide, and oh, what a change that be. The world would see a new Georgie girl. You can't always run We haven't discussed the Seekers albums. By the time of Seekers Seen in Green, you had some of your own material on there, like All I Can Remember. Had you been writing much? Yes, I had been writing a fair bit leading up to all of that, but but none of the songs that I had written really sat comfortably with the Seekers. Uh, Bruce Bruce Woodley had uh, been writing beforehand and Judith Durham had joined forces with David Riley uh, to write uh, songs as well. So slightly ahead of me in terms of uh, material that, that was comfortable for the Seekers. But uh, all I can remember was was the first song that, that I really um, feel proud of that the, that the Seekers recorded. We also haven't covered... Uh recording at Abbey Road. What was it like uh, recording at the EMI studios? Well, again, it was a, like a dream come true for us because uh, not only were we working in one of the foremost studios, but but also with with some of the, the foremost engineers. And the, the um, engineer who worked on worked alongside Tom Springfield when we were producing uh, I'll Never Find Another You and A World of Our Own uh, was Norman Smith, oh. who went on to have his own success as, as Hurricane Smith, yeah. as it turns out. He was an absolute wonder to work alongside. And, um, and in fact, when, when I say we, we recorded I'll Never Find Another You and its B-side, Open up them pearly gates in one three-hour session. One three-hour session. We did the whole wow. track, uh, and um, it was just wonderful. And it was because of uh, people like Norman, you know, uh, and Tom Springfield. They they just knew what that what they were doing, and it was it was great. Summer days and summer breezes, flowers everywhere are all that I remember. Of times we used to share Summer nights and summer beaches Flowing into fall That's all I can remember All that I recall I remember seasons When you weren't so far away I still can hear your laughter Behind the 
song that not many people may associate with you because i think you were down as under a pseudonym was emerald city which was um the, the seekers 1967 christmas single i've read that that was actually co-written with kim fowley did you know him yes kim fowley what a character my goodness uh big tall yank lanky yank uh and uh well i shouldn't call him a yank he was from california <laughs> but um anyway uh sadly he's not with us anymore but he came to England. He, he had become aware and loved the, the Seekers as well, so through uh, the, the success that we'd had in America. And he had an idea to use the, the Beethoven's Ninth Symphony melody for a song, but he, he, he had this, um, this rock and roll version of it. And um, when he got in touch with me in London, he played me what he had, and it was, it was just... It seemed as though it was, it was intended for another another group altogether, you know, the Hollies or someone like that. Mm. And so I joined forces with him and, and we massaged the whole uh, project and uh, brought it right down to being a, a very um, childlike lullaby type of song and uh, that's that's the way we recorded it um but i when when we um when i presented it to the group i, I said well I, I didn't want them to the other group members to to be influenced by anything so i said oh this is this is written by kim fowley and and john martin which was the name that i had assumed huh. because i happened to be playing a martin guitar at the time and i, I thought well john john's a fairly common name so that's that will become mm-hmm. my by pseudonym, so that was that was it, and the and the group loved it, and so as you say, it became our our Christmas um, single, and it was great.
1968, basically Judith didn't want to go on anymore. Yes, well, Judith had been a solo singer before she joined the group. She was uh, becoming quite well known as a, a trash jazz singer in Melbourne. And so uh, she really just wanted to get back to her solo career. I mean, we'd been together for uh, for five years at that stage. We were still friendly to each other and uh, there was uh, a bit of dissension, shall we say, about, about the direction that we should take. We an arrangement that we started right back in 1963, uh, that if any of the members wanted to leave the group, they would give the others uh, six months' notice. And that's exactly what Judah did. So she said, uh, in, um, it was in January, uh, she said uh, that's when she made her intentions clear. And, and so we said, okay, well, six months. We've got six months to, to sort out our, um, our future lives and uh, let's go for it. And as it turned out, it became less than six months because um, just after we'd finished a, a season at the Talk of the Town, uh, the BBC approached us, or it was actually during the season at the Talk of the Town in, in uh, uh, June of 1968, uh, the, uh, the BBC approached our manager, Eddie Jarrett, and said, look, we'd like to do a TV special with the group. And they didn't know that we had any intention of, yeah. of disbanding. Uh, so once they were brought into our confidence that we were going to disband, uh, they said, why don't we make the TV show, the TV special, your farewell TV show? And that's uh, that's how that particular BBC programme came into being. You had the first solo single of Any Seeker with The World Would Never Turn Again. I did, yes, written by the, by the wonderful Ronnie Dunlop. And um, uh, it was a demo that was sent to me. And uh, by that time, I had become involved with my business partner, David Joseph. And uh, David organized a, a recording uh, contract with, uh, with Phillips. And that, that was the first single. Yes, the world would never turn again. I said, lovely, lovely song. And uh, uh, it's gone into the gone into the annals of history. I'm not sure that anyone uh, remembers it uh, apart from you, Jason. <laughs> well, I think it's uh, collected on some of the New Seekers anthology, so it might be worth asking you about that. So, yeah, th- that was in that period as well, and that you decided to have an idea to continue the sound of the Seekers, but with a New musicians? Yes, uh, that's right. It, it started off. It was it was a process of uh, of elimination in a way because uh, getting back to David Joseph and I trying to work out what I would do with my performing life. I was originally thinking to you know to follow up with um, uh, the world would never turn again that I would do some do some solo concerts and I needed a backing group. So I started rehearsing with a quartet and then. Suddenly, probably over a couple of glasses of red wine, um, David and I thought, well, why not, instead of just having a, a backing group, make it a, a proper group that could be featured? And then that kind of led to the idea that why not, seeing as the Seekers had disbanded, why don't we continue the legacy, if you like, by um, creating a whole new group? And that that was what we did. So, so David and I, uh, we already had... Uh, some um, a couple of Australian connections, uh, singers from Australia, in other words, and uh, we advertised, and and that was how we uh, how how we ended up with the with the new seekers.
long did you um, stay in London for and, and when did you go back to Australia? I stayed on in London until 1978. So I was there for 14 years and uh, obviously a few trips back to Australia because of the touring that we did. But uh, 1978 was when I went back and and it was um, about time. We uh, decided, my, my then wife and I decided that uh, uh, it would be great to, to bring up the kids in, in Australia. Uh, so we returned. We next have Future Road from the late 90s by The Seekers, a song that you co-wrote. What was it like getting back with The Seekers after so many years? Was it emotional? Uh, yeah, it was happy emotion, though. It was very lovely. We, we sat around and had dinner together. And uh, by that time, this is, I'm talking about late 1992 now. Right. And it was, um, it was really great fun. Judith had uh, had a long career singing um, her own uh, material and gospel songs and things like that, accompanied by her husband, Ron Edgeworth. And they'd had a wonderful, wonderful career. But something suggested to her that um, that she'd like to uh, get back with the boys, as they, as we were called. And she um, uh, reached out to, uh, to us. We all sat around and thought, well, that's a great idea. And, in fact, it was then coming up the 25th anniversary of when we had uh, disbanded in 1968. So the you know the, the the stars were in alignment as they say and uh, we got together and recorded a couple of fresh tracks in late 1992 and then um, we set up a a concert tour for 1993. It was originally going to be one concert, one gigantic concert, and we ended up doing 120 concerts. So it was quite a remarkable turnaround. And so by the 90s, I assume you you were you were a much more confident songwriter and, and had a, a bit more of a, a role in, in that space with the group. Yes, I, I had the uh, the great joy to to collaborate with various songwriters and also work on my own. But um, yes, it was the, the Future Road album that you um, talked about uh, yeah. just a moment ago. That came about because we wanted to get back into the studio for the first time in some um, umpteen years properly, you know, and do an album. And so we all put up songs and I'd been lucky enough to spend some time in, in uh, Nashville co-writing with some Nashville songwriters. And so that particular album, the Future Road album, had four of my songs, one that I'd written on my own, which is Guardian Angel, Guiding Light, and three others that I'd collaborated on. And luckily for me, uh, one of my songs... Uh, became the title track, Future Road.
talking about the power of the people, not a perfect world. There's a dream we can choose, one we never will lose. Take a look at all the hopes of every little boy and girl. We can see through the haze, weapons melting away. Turn them all into a gunship, floating down the river of friendship. Sail forever, you and I together. We may stumble, never crumble. Face tomorrow, everyone, all together. Share the load when we ride our dreams down future road. It's the thing about the Seekers is that the popularity of, of the group has just been ever present over here and, and obviously in your homeland. A, a great moment that you were able to celebrate the Golden Jubilee with a, another collection, but also recording some new material like In My Life. So I think this was 2012. Yes, 2012. We recorded In uh, in My Life and Silver Threads and Golden Needles. And I suppose to a great extent, they were uh, paying tribute, shall we say, to the groups that, that we love and, and still love, actually, uh, the Beatles and the Springfields. Again, we, we did our own arrangements of those two songs and so tried to make it our own rather than copying the, 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 the great arrangements of the original recordings. And they became uh, staples in our, in our stage show as well. So we were able to, to present those, uh, new, those, our, our versions of those songs, new material for our fans who were coming to our concerts in, um, in 2012 uh, through to 2014. And it seems in the last 20 years that the Seekers' place in, in music history is, well, one of Australia's biggest bands of all time has just been fully, fully recognised. Um, it, it must be great to sort of continue to get that adulation 
after all these years and, and that you're certainly not forgotten? Yeah, well, certainly not forgotten. And we love the adulation, but I, I think we're pretty down-to-earth people, really. And, uh, and that's one of the things about being such good friends is that uh, we we keep ourselves pretty grounded mm. and like to love to uh, relive those some of those golden moments but uh, but generally we're we're everyday people you know we um, we do the shopping and we mm. do our do our own washing and and ironing and things so, <laughs> you know i think it's it's a, it's a lovely situation and and the and the best part about it Jason is to uh, is to have people like like you coming from somewhere uh, somewhere in the in the distance and then becoming a part of our uh, part of our team as well by by helping to preserve the memory of the of the seekers there are places I remember all my life though some have changed some
You mentioned Guardian Angel Guiding Light, which was uh, originally released on, on Future Road. That song actually predates Future Road quite a bit. Yeah, I read it originally in uh, 1982, and it's probably been the most altered song that I've ever written because there's so many different versions. I've got about five different versions uh, that no one's heard. Hmm. And um, and the version that we recorded with the Seekers was uh, different from the version that I did during, uh, during our tour of the UK in 2014. But for one reason or another, we left out a couple of verses in the, in the Future Road version. And I wanted to, in my own solo version, uh, I wanted to do it as sort of the final seminal version of that song so that, that was the way I was able to present it and it was it was a great honor for me to be able to stand on the on these stages of various wonderful venues in the UK and in Australia and New Zealand and have that as my personal solo spot in the in the Seekers stage show. What are the highlights of the concerts in that period and it's captured in film uh, on record on the uh, the live in the UK 2014 album was it like coming full circle, going back to the UK for one more time? Yes, absolutely. It was like full circle for us all because uh, uh, we had such uh, loving memories of, uh, of the support that we received from the uh, UK public. And so to be able to play in all those incredible venues, uh, including the Royal Albert Hall and uh, um, oh, we did. It was, a, it was a magnificent circuit that we did. And then to have the, the DVD come out from that was, it was a real joy. So, yes, very much like going home again. God. 
the kindest words Your praise is so sincere And the love I feel inside just grows whenever One of the songs that you co-wrote with Judith was released a few years ago on one of her solo collections, the song We're Back Together Again. Do you know when that date's from and and, and how you came to write that with Judith? Yeah, the the background to that is that um, it goes right back to 1992, actually. And I was talking earlier on about the group reuniting 25 years after we uh, disbanded. And uh, I'd I'd had uh, a strong idea for the song and so I had done a, a kind of rough demo of it and I got together with uh, with Judith and with uh, uh, recording engineer Michael Cristiano, more on that later, uh, uh, Michael Cristiano, and we recorded our version. So Judith singing lead on it and me singing all the all the harmonies and uh, then we, we presented it to um, Athel and Bruce and uh, they they were pretty lukewarm luke about it, I have to say. So um, it didn't pass muster because we we had this arrangement that we all had to agree on every piece of material that we recorded. So uh, seeing as we didn't have a, a consensus on that on that um, particular song, we put it to bed. And then uh, just last year, when when Judith was compiling some material for a new release, that demo popped up again. And um, luckily, Michael Cristiano had uh, had the, uh, the original tapes, and uh, so we were able to. Uh, I was able to massage it a little bit and and put some fresh harmonies on, and uh, really do a, a proper mix of it with a guitar solo and things like that. So that's how it came to be on uh, Judas' album. But it went right back to 1992. It's a really reflective song. Strong melody, strong lyrics. Um, how was that song written? It was a, a complete song. When uh, when Judith and I started working on it, and and she had some wonderful ideas about uh, uh, some chord changes and, and structures, so uh, the the melody remained fairly intact, but uh, worked on uh, the lyrics of the verses and uh, making a few changes here and there, uh, and that was it really. Uh, the original uh, the original demo had a had a sort of piano accordion sound in the middle, but uh, eventually we chucked that out for the final release and I, I put a guitar solo on. And it was um, it was just a process of uh, collaboration, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, thank you for the compliments anyway. It's, it's nice to know that, that you've um, analysed it to such an extent. The years have gone, they've run their race, and here we are now. Like a lifetime ago Destiny played in the palm of our hands There was no way we could know 
Again, uh, quite recently, you've, in terms of um, the first origins of the Seekers, you've gone back to that that all male sound with the original Seekers, and we've got a great version of um, "Last Thing on My Mind" here. What was the spark of um, going back to that original sound? Well, once we'd finished the the UK tours, and, the, and then we went back to Australia and New Zealand in 2014. Judith really decided that she didn't want to sing uh, anymore. She and her, because she'd had that brain aneurysm in 2013, it was a, an absolute wonder that she was able to um, spark up again and, and create and, and be able to perform as uh, as well as she did. Yeah. Um, but then she decided to retire from singing, and so Athel Guy and Bruce Woodley and I thought, well, we can we can still we you know we're still. Uh, keen to keep performing and recording, so why don't we crank up uh, a version of the, the the original lineup of the of the Seekers, which was four blokes? And so we asked uh, Ken Ray, who who had been the original singer, was was uh, was was not keen to, uh, to get involved again for for personal reasons. But then, of course, the obvious choice was the, the aforementioned Michael Cristiano, who had been our accompanist and our recording engineer for, for decades. And he's, he has a magnificent voice and he plays practically every instrument you can think of um, superbly. And, and he has a recording studio, so the, the whole 
the whole thing just came together magically uh, that um, in in 2018 we uh, we, we got into his uh, studio and, and recorded a, a complete album and we called it back to our roots yes and it was a it was a wonderful collection of uh, songs that we had sung before and songs that we wish we had sung and including um as you say uh last thing on my mind but there was also uh adios and more which was a song that tom springfield had written with norman newell uh and he had actually offered it to the singers way back in the 1960s and we had um decided for one reason or another again it was because all four of us couldn't agree on uh, that particular song but then it went on to be a a huge hit for Jose Feliciano but in revisiting uh, the last thing on my mind uh, which was a song that Bruce used to sing as a solo in our concerts uh, we found a third verse, another another verse, which oh. uh, we were then able to incorporate into the into the new arrangement. That, that made it really very special for us to to have the, the new recording, not only as a as a four man group, but also to have the have the the extra lyric in there. It's a lesson too late for the learning Made of sand, made of sand In the wink of an eye my soul is turning In your hand, in your hand Are you going away? With no word of farewell Will there be not a trace left behind I could have loved you better Didn't mean to be unkind Oh, you know, that was the last thing on my mind You had reasons aplenty for going This I know This I know For the weeds have been steadily growing Please don't go Please don't go Are you going away With no word of farewell Will there be not a trace No 
word of farewell Will there be not a trace left behind I could have loved you better Didn't mean to be unkind Oh, you know that was the last thing on my mind you're still you're still so active as well i think it was that the first covid period you um put a a music video of, of yourself uh singing here we go round and round on youtube you've got a great channel there was that actually a, a new song of yours yes uh, it was in um in um, april of, of uh, 2020 that it suddenly occurred to me that here was this uh, funny little uh, problem that we were all facing worldwide uh, and we didn't know where it was going and, and didn't know how long it would last and uh, and it just seemed that one of those lyrics just popped up and luckily uh, I was able to complete the song here we go round and round and uh, and then with the help of Hank Franklin and Frank Hanklin uh, their families they they joined forces with me and uh, they're my alter egos of course so I was, and and also with the magic of um, uh, of computer recording as it is nowadays, I was able to put together that whole track and uh, put some harmonies on and things like that, and and that was that's the song. Sometimes up and sometimes down Here we go round and round People told what to do People told what to say There are people who could care less And some people might pray We could open our minds 
Try some yoga or zen We can find a brand new messiah But till then Here we go Round and round Might as well be in a one-horse town Who knows how and who knows when We'll ever get back on our feet again But there's a tunnel and I see a light Everything's gonna be alright Sometimes up and sometimes down Here we go round and round And not just deja vu days We've been through this before But the difference is who knew what And who opened the door Now some people believe We're all pawns in a game And some others believe that life won't be the same Here we go, round and round Might as well be in a one-horse town Who knows how and who knows when We'll ever get back on our feet again But there's a tunnel and I see a light Everything's gonna be alright Sometimes up and sometimes down Here we go round and round Oh, sometimes up and sometimes down Here we go round and round You've been playing some solo shows. You've released some material with the, the Light Feet Band. Can you make future plans and get out there? Yes, you mentioned the Light Feet Band. And uh, yes, I got together with two of my musical buddies from Canberra, uh, Fred Pilcher and Gary Luck. And we have this uh, uh, show, which is a tribute show to Gordon Lightfoot. And, and for that, I wrote a, a song called The Troubadour. Uh, which was a well, it's just a it's a tribute to Gordon Lightfoot, really being one of the one of the great songwriters, uh, going right back to the early days of the folk boom in the early sixties. And so we're we'll be doing some concerts uh, together coming up in April this year, twenty twenty two. And um, I'm also doing some duo shows with a uh, with an Australian singer songwriter, Mike McClellan. Uh, he and I have known each other for decades, but uh, we've just recently decided to to do some duo shows and I'm still doing some solo shows. So I've just completed two actually uh, down in Victoria and it's lovely to get out uh, among the population again um, after all the lockdowns that we've all experienced, you you including, I suppose, with all your... Yes. Yeah, yes. so that, that's, uh, that's been a joy. So we're... We're all hoping, I think everyone is hoping now that uh, 2022 is going to be the breakout year and, and it will lead to a lot uh, a lot less uh, in the way of inhibitions and um, and lockdowns for uh, for the future and uh, and start to get over this pandemic. So not only uh, obviously people can can go to the Seekers official website, you've also got your own website, Keith 
popgood.com and, and you've got an active Facebook there for people to keep uh, a track of what you're up to. Yes, indeed. Very much so. And uh, yeah, the, the website is a great way of uh, people keeping in touch or starting contact. And, uh, and I do like to reply personally to to the uh, incoming mail. So uh, yeah, if, if anyone likes to, to get in touch, that's, that's the way to do it. KeithPotka.com. Keith, what a pleasure and honour it is to speak to you. The, the music you've crafted over the last 60 years is just incredible. And uh, thank you so much for your time. It's been a, a pleasure and a privilege. Well, thank you, Jason. And, uh, and it's been lovely to talk to you too. And uh, thanks for hanging in there and uh, making it all come together. So I, I look forward to hearing it in due course when you've uh, when you put it all together. That's lovely. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Ah, great. Great. Thank you. Bye for now. see him now you don't he won't live forever savor every song he sings in velvet ways favor in his lines for simple round lays and all the stories he would rhyme the troubled troubadour of our time Troubadour is wise If you try to read his mind You'll find You can never Echoes of the summer times That went before Bricks and ruins Railroads running short as shore But all oh, the stories he could rhyme The troubled troubadour Thank you for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online it's 10 years since i started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time all your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests 
To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.